1: Greenie with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: All right, we're back in Better Than Ever. Greenie, presented by Progressive Insurance. We got snow here in New York City with a capital S that rhymes with whatever. What a day we've got for weather. What a day we have for football conversation. There's been tons of it already, and it continues. Graziano's here. Let's go. Here we go.
1: Only one place to start. The Chiefs
2: are already focusing on trying
1: to
0: become the first team in NFL history to win three straight titles.
3: I'm going to celebrate tonight. I'm going to celebrate at the parade,
2: and then I'm going to do whatever I can to be back in this game next year and try to go for that three-peat. I
3: don't think a lot about that, but I think
1: that would be pretty neat.
2: All right, so that's going to become the conversation. Can Casey go back to back to back? How much blame does the coach get in San Francisco for his team losing the other day? And the offseason is now officially upon us, which means a lot of decisions get made, including one that may come a lot sooner than you think. Dan Graziano was here for all of that, flew back from Vegas yesterday, good enough to Spend all the night down here in the city and come in this morning, and now you may not get home at all.
1: Yeah, good enough is a way is a one way to put it, but also stuck would be another. Yeah, <laughs> I, a bit, at some point it'll stop snowing. This it, is weird. We don't usually, we haven't gotten too many of these the last couple
2: years. We have not had a day like yeah, this in New York in several years. and They had set a record at one point for the least amount of or the longest time without yeah. an inch of snowfall in Central Park. We're going to get at least that today. I had heard it was supposed Oops, to be five to way. eight inches. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. So we got that. You had. It (laughs) you know, so I'll tell you what, I grew to hate snow when I lived where you live, which is in suburban Connecticut. Yeah, because when you need to get into a car and travel a long Mm -hmm. distance. Every single day, no matter the circumstances, it changes your perspective. 100%. Snow becomes the enemy. Yeah. I don't have that anymore. Now it's kind of nice. Like, it's just it's pretty out there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Trees will be pretty. Yeah. It'll, be until, you know, it'll, it'll stay pretty for a good three, four hours until we make it dirty and disgusting, <laughs> which is what we're generally good at. Hembo is here. Hembo got in from New Jersey this morning. I like that.
3: I did fine on my way in. I'm not so sure if I'll do uh, quite as fine on my way out, but we're here. We're enjoying it. And now you're going to make fun of my outfit because I'm wearing a quilted sweater, but I feel like this is an appropriate thing to wear when it's, when it's snowing outside. What say you? I, I'm, I'm going
2: to say by your standards, this isn't that bad.
3: Well, that's a compliment. Wow. You've that worn a lot not of a things compliment. that are it's way not
2: a
1: compliment. No, that was not a compliment. Did you
2: hear, by the way, yesterday, Graz, you were traveling back, so you didn't get to hear the show. Hembo had 12 people to his house to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, and he was so uninterested in the halftime show mm. That when Usher came out to do the halftime, he, he Hembo, feigned having to uh, take a shower and instead went upstairs to his room, read a book for 20, 25 minutes, a book, by the way, about the analytics of the history of the presidency, yep. and then came back downstairs <laughs> in his sleeping clothes mm-hmm. to watch the second half and ultimately overtime of the Super Bowl. That, that was how Hembo handled his day on Sunday. I mean, that's just making a point. That's all that is, right? Like, it's not, like, it wouldn't have bothered you
1: to sit and watch the halftime show with all the people that were visiting you at your house. You had to go be by yourself. What point was I making? So that your point is like, this is beneath me. This halftime show is beneath me. I'm all about the sports, and this is not sports, so I will not attend it. I will not pay any attention to it at all, and I will
3: return when the sports do. Is Thank there you. any
2: performer that's the that could be playing at halftime that you would find very interesting and not miss it?
3: Uh, Francis Scott Key. I would stay for. Okay. If he had a 20 or 25 minute rendition it, of Stars and Stripes I mean, Forever and things of that nature. Right. Yeah, been it, dead is, a
1: very long time. Yeah, in yeah, fairness, and, he was an electric performer, as really. I understand it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Miller, I'm a big fan of his body of work.
2: Glenn, see, stop kidding around. Glenn Miller, for those that don't know, was like a big band orchestra leader yeah. like in the 30s. I'm not kidding around. Yeah.
3: Don't ask questions for which you don't want to know well, the well, actual. Hey, answer.
2: Glenn Merrill has been dead for a very long time. Yeah. Is there anyone living? who might play music at halftime of the Super Bowl that you would be at all interested in experiencing? If
3: Taylor Swift played the halftime show, I would sit there with my wife in support of my wife. Do you listen to music? Occasionally, but I'm much more into nonfiction.
2: No, music. He just asked you about music. Music is not fiction. No, no, no.
3: It's exclusively fiction. Well, it's, it's true. There, I mean, are very,
2: you...
1: there are very few popular songs about, like, historical events.
2: <laughs> right. The Battle Hymn of the <laughs> George Republic. George Washington slept here. So you experience no art at all? Like, if you would never go to an art museum? You don't read a book that is fiction? Any of the, none of it interests you because it didn't actually happen? It comes from the realm of imagination?
3: That's a part of my brain that I don't feel the need to tap into because it's, in my opinion, wasting time that I could be spend reading a book called The American Presidents Ranked by right. Performance.
1: Yeah. I guess I guess it's an interesting take to say that like enjoyment is not is a is a waste of time. No, like,
3: that's not that's not what I said. Yeah. I mean I enjoy things that happened or are right. happening, not things that we're pretending happened or
2: are happening. He right. doesn't he, Hambo doesn't enjoy life the way the rest of us do. No. Um and he very very open about that. He does not believe food is meant to be enjoyed. He believes food is exclusively well, fuel for your being, yeah. you know, for your for your natural your physical being and that how it tastes is not even part of the discussion, Look. not part of the equation. Mm-hmm. There
1: are times when I wish I believed that because it would, <laughs> it would help me stay in shape. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't. Look, I, I just like imagination, though, is like, I, I don't know. I, there, there, there's a lot of studies that support the idea of, of sort of reading fiction as, as good for sure. your, your mental capacity and your mental health. Right. And, and music, I'm aware, too. I'm aware music. of those studies. Music, you might absolutely. be less hostile.
3: And I'm fine if, if other people take those studies and run with them, but I'd rather do what I do, and this is what I enjoy, things that
2: happened. See, I think that Hambo, as, as anyone who listens to this program knows, is a very hostile person, and I think his hostility stems primarily from this. All the things that he deprives the himself of, of. music of, in his life. In, in, yeah, In yeah. the name of of, of of what he genuinely believes to be something better, which it is not. It is much, much, much worse. I'm, I'm just much
1: more interested in this than any potential sports topic we might get into in the time I'm but here. But unfortunately,
2: the three of us yeah. are the only ones who feel that way. <laughs> yeah. And we have an audience, so let's serve them a little yeah. bit. You were in Vegas. I you was. were there for the celebration. I was. I made the observation this morning having been there when the Bulls won their championships, the first three-peat. The first one was a celebration of the sort of joy I've never otherwise experienced. I mean, outside of like the birth of a child, to see the way they reacted to that. And there are legendary people have seen all their lives. Michael Jordan sitting in the locker room, hugging the Larry O'Brien trophy, crying his eyes out with his parents sitting next to him or on either side of him. That was a celebration of pure joy. And as I've always said, the second one, and then especially the third one, were celebrations of relief They were so relieved that it was over and they had done it, so much so that Michael Jordan retired at the age of 29 a couple of months after winning that title. Now his father was murdered, and and there were a lot of other factors that went into that. But clearly, basketball, the pressure of it had become something that was significant to those Bulls teams. What was your read on the Chiefs as they go back-to-back, first team to do that in 20 years, and now face the 3 P. Yeah,
1: very much not that. I, I think they, they felt very uh, excited and proud of what they've accomplished here. Yeah, they felt like they went through a lot of difficulty this year that they overcame. And I don't get the sense that it's just relief that they won You know, something that they would have been viewed by the outside as a failure if they hadn't. I think they felt like this is this is a special one. If anything, of their three, I think the first one probably carried the highest level of relief because it had been so long for Andy Reid. As a head coach, and, and he had been a guy that people used to wonder, could he ever win the big one? So I think there was that level of relief that night for him, on his behalf, right, that he had finally broken through. And now, of course, uh, he does it all the time. But but yeah, I, I do not get that. I feel like the Chiefs viewed themselves as sort of happy underdogs uh, because they did struggle this year. They weren't the one seed. They had to win two road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. They were underdogs in the Super Bowl. I think they got a kick out of all that, and they feel like uh, what they did this year was special on its own.
2: I mean, I think that's magnificent for their mental health. <laughs> yes, it, it speaks volumes, I think, to, well, let's put it this way. Now, Phil Jackson is so different from Andy Reid in so many ways. But I think Phil recognized, in the same way that Andy does, that the team had to at least some degree take on the personality of their immortal star. So I think Phil, who probably might have been a person more inclined to stop and smell the roses every once in a while, maintained the the demeanor of that team because that was Jordan – and he knew he would lose Jordan if he tried to say, guys, you know, Michael, take a step back and smell the roses mm-hmm. and stop working so hard. Stop pushing everyone so hard. Michael wasn't going to have that. And, and so I think it, it speaks volumes to the way Mahomes is. He's yes. just a different. He's very, very different than Brady. I, I think Brady was one way and Jordan was one way. And mm-hmm. some of these guys think Mahomes feels very different to me. He does, and, and and that is
1: in terms of watching the way he carries himself, listening to the way he talks, having had the opportunity to speak to him one on one several times over the years, and, and the way he treats you as if he's 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 glad to see you, and it's been too long. Like same with everybody. Tell right? me about it. I
2: don't know him. I, just, I don't know Mahomes just, at all.
1: He's just a a great kid to talk to. Like he just and and he just he loves doing it. He he seems to. He conveys an appreciation of what everybody else is doing, right? Like, like he mm-hmm. understands you're there uh, to, tra- to talk to him, get information, get an interview. He wants to help, right? He wants your story to be good, and and I think he probably treats his team on a much higher level, <laughs> treats his teammates and his coaches the same way, right? Like he wants he wants everybody to succeed. Um, those are cool people to be around. I think, you know, we're, for, we're fortunate we have some of them here, right? Like, I, I describe uh, uh, Marcus Spears to people that way, like a great teammate. Like, he just wants to bring everybody up all the time. Uh, we, we have those, and, and I think uh, it's special for a football team when he ha- when that is the star quarterback who is that guy. I think you're absolutely right. It reflects on him, and I think that's why you don't get that sense of really. I mean, those Bulls teams are probably scared to let Michael down. Right. (laughs) Right? I think so. I think there's an element of that. So I think uh, I think with this, they all did it together. They all feel that way. Uh, And they went off and partied and and, and danced the night away, uh, feeling great about themselves. I just can't help but thinking like if Hembo was the quarterback, like they would have gone to a party and played what, like NPR? Mm. Or uh, like all night and and just kind of sat (laughs) around
3: and nodded. If things really got wild. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. Sat around and and, and
2: collectively read books. Held like a book club meeting or something like that. Yeah, no, no, look, and and those Bulls teams, they celebrate. I don't mean to say they didn't celebrate winning championships. No, I I get what you're saying. But what I'm saying is I think, and we've heard this before. Look, Pat Riley used to say this, that the fear of losing or the the pain of losing – outweighed was greater than the thrill of winning. And that's 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 no way to be. That's no way to be. But I think (laughs) I, I have always believed. And again, we're all influenced by the things that we witness, and I've always there's always been a part of me that believed in order to do what they're doing, you have to be like that. Yeah. That you have to be wired that way because otherwise you let your foot off the gas. It is it is natural uh, human instinct. If everything you know, if you succeed, if you win, to maybe not push yourself quite as hard. And yet they seem to manage to do it. They don't need that sort of impetus to it so what what do the well, go ahead danny no i also think it, it doesn't it, it's not he
1: doesn't lack an edge either and we saw that come through a few times this year you know, obviously he lost his cool at the end of the one game where tony lined up off sides and he yeah. was mad at the ref and all so like it's not as if he, he's happy-go-lucky and he doesn't have that killer edge to him that, that helps him win
2: he does but he seems to have it in the proper perspective and, and so what what does the history say about three pete's i was trying to get to this in our morning meeting today I mean, it is exceedingly rare in the history of sports. It isn't quite as rare as I thought it was. So, in baseball, obviously, the Yankees did it at the end of the 90s. The A's did it in the beginning of the 70s. Then you had like the Joe McCarthy Yankees.
3: Yeah, the Yankees in the late 40s and early 50s pulled it off. And, and then we
2: beyond that. We're going back to like pre-World War II. We're talking about like, yeah, in the late as 30s many teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so there's that in hockey. We had the Islanders, of course. What's the? Is that the last time it's happened?
3: It's the last time that it's happened. The Canadians pulled it off in the 70s, the Leafs in the 60s, the Canadians again in the 50s, and the Leafs again in the 40s, but that was a league
2: with almost no teams. Exceedingly rare. Mm-hmm. Basketball, we know Shaq and Kobe did it. Michael's teams obviously did it twice, and before that, you got to go back to Russell, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And And now football. If we're just including the Super Bowl era, right? No one's done it. No one's done it. Now Lombardi's Packers would have. I mean, they, if if you include their NFL championships, they would have done it. So even if we include that, it's sixty years. And I'd like to go through this list at some
3: point later today because uh, Dan and I were texting about this before get up. I went down and charted every team that won two Super Bowls in a row and wrote down the outcome of that third season. Oh, that's good. And like it's it's really hard. I mean, no team has even gone back to the Super Bowl after going back-to-back to, back to the way that the Chiefs just did, after winning consecutive championships, I mean. And only three of these eight teams even made it back to their conference championship. None of them won it. So like, what the Chiefs are up against is basically history. And but that's a very right. tough thing to buy. Just
2: making three straight Super Bowls, whether right. you win or lose, is, is, is very rare. The Bills obviously did it in four straight losses. Mm-hmm. I think the Dolphins did it in the early 70s because they lost and then won two in a back row back to back right I'm not sure how many other teams have even been in sure. three straight were the Patriots were Brady's teams in three straight yes and from yeah. uh, 16 to 18 because yeah. they lost
3: to the Eagles in between in, wins. In, in between in the, the, the two, one right yeah and then, yeah they, right. they were in the Super Bowl Falcons and the
1: Rams is. on the other side of those uh, it's yeah. rare it's a I mean it's so what rare. they're trying to do is really really hard the but cl- so is what the Chiefs already have done <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. like like the last six years Like, again, if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs lose the AFC Championship game in regulation this coming season, it'll be his worst finish ever. That's unbelievable. So I mean, that's so so the fact that they're always there, that they that they're in the AFC Championship game every single year, not just the last two, but the last six. I think that puts them in in different kind of. That's right.
2: They lost both of those games in yes. overtime. That 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 Cincinnati to Tom Brady and, and New Joe Angle. Burrow. Yeah, yeah incredible. Right. All right, Danny, welcome back. Uh, good yeah. luck getting home. If you don't, I got a bed home eventually.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I may take you up on it. Uh, we'll see how the day goes. So so and 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 Nick,
2: if his train doesn't make it. He might stay over. Oh, we have a party. The only thing I'll say is, the last time the two of you came to my house, I still have scar tissue. Yeah, it was it was a rough night. Uh, oh, that, you want me to head down? That was, yeah, yeah Bubba got, was there. Get Bubba down there. Maybe it was his fault. We, uh, we got to figure <laughs> Maybe Maybe it'll exercise the demons. <laughs> I'll take a quick drive in the snow and we'll <laughs> head down. The last time we did this was the night that we'll... <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' night. It's still impossible to believe that's Can't what Can't even happened. talk about it. All yeah. right, Danny, thank you. We'll take a short break. <laughs> Back in a moment,
4: ESPN Radio. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Shopping
2: for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg.
2: If you had taken Lynn Swan off the Steelers, would they have won all those championships? If you had taken Jerry Rice off the 49ers, obviously they won two of them before he got there, but you get the point. If you had taken Michael Irvin off the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, that's who Tyreek Hill was to this team. He has left. He has been the best receiver in the NFL since he left, and the Chiefs have won both Super Bowls since he left. There have been two played, and they won them both.
0: This is Greeny.
2: Yes, it is presented by Progressive Insurance. I really don't think you can overstate what this team has done. And this is where being known as the uh, king of hyperbole sometimes works against me because I've called so many things great over the course of time that maybe it diminishes it when I call this team great. But what this team has accomplished, I think, in this era with this quarterback is historical. I mean, I'm going to do my green list. I did it on TV today today of the great dynasties of the Super Bowl era. And they're in it. They, they, they are one of the five great dynasties of the Super Bowl era. And that's not an easy list to crack. It's most definitely
3: not an easy list to crack. And what makes what they just did most remarkable is that if you were just to stack up the six teams that Patrick Mahomes has quarterbacked in his career, this would easily be the worst one. They ranked 15th in the league in scoring during the regular season. They, they were plus 77 in terms of their point differential, which was their worst in any season. They had to go on the road twice to get to the Super Bowl. This was, this was your crack at it. They had to beat four teams that had a scoring margin of 100 or better in the playoffs, and no one had ever done that before either. So it's, that's the most amazing thing about this to me, is that they've had basically six cracks at this thing, and the worst
2: team that they had won the Super Bowl. Yeah, then, and the, there are metrics that demonstrate Teams that have the hardest regular season schedules comparable to others over the years. They had historically a very hard regular season mm. schedule. They beat the two seed and the one seed in their conference, both on the road, and then the one seed from the opposing conference. So you cannot have a more challenging path to get to the Super Bowl than they did. And at the end of the day, They've got Patrick Mahomes and no one else does. And if you've got that guy, he's now entered that realm. He probably already had, but this cements it. Anyway, in 30 seconds, I will give you the scoop on something that I finally, finally feel vindicated saying That's after this word from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. The Scoop. The number is in, and it is historic. More people watched this year's Super Bowl than had ever watched anything on TV before. The Super Bowl drew 123.4 million viewers. That shattered last year's record, which was 115 million. It is an increase of 7%. So it is the number one most watched Super Bowl of all time. So I have always said, if you've been listening to my shows over the years, because I started this on Mike and Mike, that number is dramatically undercounted. There's no way in the world that only 123 million people watched that game. There's just no way. What is the population of the United States? Like 320 million. 320 million. What percentage is 120 out of 320? Like 40 percent, 35, 40 percent. No, I don't. It's less than that. It's, not, it's, it's nowhere near... Four, it's 120 into 320 is not 40%, is it? It's 38%. Okay, I'm not great I at I apologize that. for rounding up. Stated. Okay, all right, so th- even so, even so, that means if you, if you round up every 10 people in America and say, which ones of you didn't watch the Super Bowl, six of them are going to raise their that hands? That sounds about right to me. No, it doesn't sound right. There aren't six out of every 10 people that didn't watch the Super Bowl. No, there aren't. In your life. In anyone's life. Mm, I- That's just ridiculous. But they finally got this thing right. So the CBS broadcast itself averaged 120 million viewers. They, uh, If you include CBS, Nickelodeon, Univision, etc., is this number jumped. Mm-hmm. The numbers have only recently begun expanding to out-of-home viewership. So this, they have finally proven me right, okay? So for years, they used to say 115 million people watched the Super Bowl. And I would say, no, they didn't. And what it came down to was they're saying 115 households, 115 million households watched the Super Bowl. That's not the number of people who watched it. And now they can measure that stuff. So according to Nielsen, which now includes viewers outside of the home, but only from limited markets, they can now tell us. That the actual number is 202.4 million people who watch the game. That sounds a lot more right. I've know. been telling you this for years. 202 million people watched the Super Bowl. I've been telling you for years, 108, 115, way too low. The number is almost double that. What percentage is 202 out of two, out of 330? 61%. That's much more right. I was right. Admit it. Say Greeny was right. Greeny was Allegedly right. What does that even mean? What is the allegedly? I mean,
3: I'm still of the belief that less than half the people in this country watch the Super Bowl.
2: And Nielsen, whose job it is to know that, is of the opinion you are wrong. Of the opinion. It's oh, merely an opinion. They have data. That you, of all people. You have been refuting the data for two decades,
3: and now you're Mr.
2: Data? No, because they didn't count out of home viewership, which I've been telling you forever. People go to bars. You had 12 people in your house. Mm-hmm. In previous years, that would have counted as one household right. watching the Super but Bowl. But they're
3: still estimates. They're not counting the number of people in my house. And they're
2: probably still. Underestimating rather than overestimating. I would I'm gonna put the over under at two hundred and two million people and say the number is actually over. I'm taking I'm saying that less than fifty
3: percent of the population watched the Super Bowl. Zero to less chance. than fifty percent. Are
2: you including infants? I'm including
3: the entire population. You're wrong. It's you're bedtime for wrong. my. It was bedtime for my infants. So, so, but, but bedtime my for mind. most infants. If, if you're that's two infants, right there. That's, that's two right there.
2: That's two out of three hundred and two million. Let's keep counting everybody else. <laughs> Let's count all the infants. Cam, raise your hand if you didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, nobody didn't watch Cam, the Super Bowl. Cam, More or less than
3: half of the U.S. population watched the Super Bowl. More, I would say it's close to two thirds. Yeah. No way. It is. You are vastly overestimating the percentage of people that care about sports. But I think you're also underestimating how much one hundred million people not watching it is. That's a lot of people that didn't watch it. It's obviously not everyone did, but I think over half. You are also underestimating
2: the cultural impact that the Super Bowl has, which includes the halftime show. So there are millions upon millions of people who watched because of Usher, who might not Usher has if you make a Venn diagram of Usher fans, Mm -hmm. which is Every bit as big a number as football fans and football fans. There will be some who are not crossovers. There are some who are fans of Usher and are not otherwise fans of football, would not otherwise watch a football game, but they will watch because of Usher. There are people who are interested in the commercials. I know this because my wife was one. My wife, who worked in the marketing industry forever, and so do millions and millions of other people, are interested in the commercials. That is in certain Segment of the population. That is a very significant niche of people who are very interested in the commercials and all the people who work for the companies whose products are being sponsored and all the rest of that. That is a huge part of all of this. The Super Bowl is a cultural event. It's not just football. So that, that's the reason that 50 million people watch the championship games, because those are all the football fans. And 200 million people do this because it is a thing that is happening.
3: but you're an expert on this. Do you really think that there is a consequential subset of the American population that watched the Super Bowl because of the halftime
2: show? Yes! Oh my God! I'll oh. answer that for Bubba. I mean, 100%. Yeah, there are definitely people.
3: And I was just looking up. There are 11 million babies in the U.S. <laughs>
2: so that's there's... how is
3: babies defined? Two or younger? Yeah, One or younger? Doesn't specify. But that's
2: I bet a lot of those babies were in the room too. I was a baby, and I watched the Jets. My parents will tell you that I watched the Jets win Super Bowl three. I was 14 months old. And I was in the room. Obviously, I have no recollection of it, but I was present for that. I think babies watched this game. Here's the other thing. Look, 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 You're talking like a fool. Like, do you look at some of the previous halftime shows? Go to a Lady Gaga concert sometime and find me all the people who you think are also season ticket holders to the <laughs> Titans. <laughs> OK, but she played halftime. Tens of millions of people will have watched that because she was performing. Usher. There are tons and tons and tons of people who are Usher fans. Like, like, like my daughter probably would watch the Super Bowl anyway, but she watches the Super Bowl. She's much more interested in that. Oh, this year she was actually interested in the Taylor Swift part of it. I've been watching nonstop. I've been alone for a week and I've got to not gonna lie to you. Living alone sucks. So I'm by myself all the time. So I've watched a lot of reels that just pop up on my Instagram feed because they just it just passes time. And so somehow my um My uh, algorithm is showing me tons and tons of videos of families watching the game where someone in the room gets super excited every time they show Taylor. Mm. Most of them little girls. Like, there's a ton of videos I've seen where, like... A seven-year-old girl you know, runs to the TV all excited because they just showed Taylor. Like, these are people that are watching the Super Bowl for other things besides... Like, you're the only one who wants them to break down, like, third-down tendencies. Mm-hmm. Other people are enjoying it because it's fun.
3: Well, I come from a a non-sports family, right. and so I like to represent those people... And say that there's a lot of people that don't care to watch the Super Bowl, and that's okay. Did your parents watch it? My parents both watched the
2: Super Bowl. Okay. You just told me you come from a non-sports family. Mm -hmm. How many of you are there in your family? There's four of you? There are five of us.
3: I have two sisters. You do? I have two sisters. You bet them both,
2: actually. I've only met one. Maria or Grace, do you remember? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I only thought, I mean, in fact, I think when I met them, I didn't meet them together, I'm guessing. Perhaps. There's no question in my mind that when I met the second one, I thought it was the same one as the first one. All good. Do they look alike? Not really. Okay, but the point His is. His kids do. Right there. Let's even live in a world where neither of your sisters watched the Super Bowl. Neither did. That's 60% Okay. Well, of I'm, a non-sports family. That is true. Are you 60%? positive your sisters didn't watch it? 100% sure. Call Maria or Grace. I don't care which one.
3: I'm 100% sure that Maria... what did Mar- they do instead? Maria not only didn't watch, I informed her yesterday, Monday, that the game was the day before. She didn't know it was happening or had happened. You know what I'm calling
2: on that? What? Something I can't say on the air.
3: She is a nurse. She was working the shift during Super Bowl Sunday, like during the game. Right. And was flummoxed as to why things were so light. In the hospital, like why, why everyone was in their rooms tending to themselves. I had to inform her the next day that the biggest game of the year was being played,
2: which is why you had that kind of work. Day. Is she a shut in like outside of this nursing? Like, how does she not? How do you not encounter a person who tells you that the Super Bowl is Sunday? Does she consume no media, especially this year with the Taylor Swift of it all? No media. Your nope. sister consumes no
3: media. She consumes no media. She asked me after I told her the Super Bowl was Sunday night,
2: which states were playing in the game. Okay, so what we're we're, we're understanding here, with with great respect to Maria or Grace, Mm -hmm. whichever one this is... Maria, in this case. Doesn't really matter. The point of it is, uh, I can't tell apart your twins. You think I'm all of a sudden telling (laughs) apart your sisters? The point is, she, she is a good representative... Of the, ex- think how unique a person she is. Mm-hmm. Like you may not recognize just how unusual a person your sister is. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with her. She's, I'm sure, a lovely person, but she's super rare. So what are saying? That's the person who doesn't watch the Super Bowl. Sixty percent of the population is not that. So what
3: you're saying is there aren't there aren't hundreds of millions of Marias. There are only. Scores of Marias,
4: yeah, <laughs> hundreds a, of Marias.
2: That's right. No, there are there are millions of Marias. Okay, but there is a big difference between being millions and hundreds of millions. But how many people
3: do you think did not know that the game had been played? Very few.
2: I agree. That's shocking.
3: I gave her a hard time about
2: that. In unimaginably Which few. states were playing? <laughs> yeah. What is this? Yeah. I mean, she doesn't even know what football is. She does not. So did she not about- read
3: your book? She, she she knows I'm an author. She's not read the book. Wow. To call you an author would be a little bit
2: of a stretch. And the funny thing exactly is her, Hemingway. her, her,
3: her like, colleagues are gobsmacked by the fact that like, she, she's my sister and I work with you. So they think it's amazing. And then still she has no interest
2: in sports. But, but do her – so those colleagues, none of them at any point mentioned in her presence – that there was a football game on Sunday of some excitement? No,
3: but we still managed to sign like three books for them in the last month. So this is, the, this is my point.
2: So I think you're actually making my point for Perhaps. me. Perhaps. Th- these people are incredibly unique. <laughs> I'm sure they're lovely people. Your sister, was it Maria, Grace, Maria. Michelle, the other one? Mm. It doesn't make any difference. The, the, the first names of your family members. Your father, English is not his first language, right?
3: No, Arabic. He
2: watched, the first, he watched the Super Bowl. He watched the Super Bowl. Your mother makes hummus. She and does. Tell me other things about her. She's from Toledo. She watched the Super Bowl. She did. But my dad would not have watched if it weren't for her. I Your dad say. would not have watched if it weren't for her. But that again, you're making my point for me. People watch because it's something that's happening. It is It is a major cultural event. It is something much larger than a football game. People. Those people don't watch a football game mm-hmm. because it's a football game. Th- the people watch because... There is all this other stuff that is going on and because everyone else is and because there's a party and there's a this and there's a that. And so finally, the vindication. I'm accepting all apologies (laughs) for all. I've been doing this for probably at least a decade, probably more. I have been saying the audience is dramatically undercounted that there is no way in the world. Two thirds of the people in America did not watch the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they had to have sat there glued to their televisions and watched every second, but that isn't how television is measured anyway. That there's no way the number wasn't closer to 200 million. I have spoken those words exactly. And now Nielsen has said, I'm right. Has there ever been a time in your life for which the Super
3: Bowl was not the cultural sensation that it is now? Yes. How far back do you have to go?
2: Not that far back. So the first... Well, I mean, you can read about this in an upcoming book called Got Your Answers. We look back at the history of Super Bowl halftime shows. The first Super Bowl halftime show that really became a cultural event was Michael Jackson, which is January of 93 at the Rose Bowl. It happened to be the first Super Bowl I had ever attended. Um, But prior to that, I remember when the Super Bowl halftime show was a marching band. I remember when it was... Up With People, which is a show you don't even know what I'm talking about, but it was. I vividly remember when the Super Bowl was played in the afternoon at the same time of day that regular football games otherwise hmm. were played. The game wasn't played in the evening. They didn't dedicate hours and hours and hours of pregame programming to it. The Super Bowl has steadily grown in significance and, and, and in popularity hand in hand. As I told you, I think the Steelers and the Cowboys in the 70s played a significant role in that, bringing a lot more people into the equation. So I would say that this transformation began in the 70s. It continued significantly in the 80s and really exploded in the 90s. The Super Bowl, as we know it now, like I'm old enough to have covered Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you the day I knew something very different was going on. The day I knew that everything had changed. We'll do that coming up next, plus...
3: Sneaky Hemba. Group trivia today, at least in the first hour. I am looking at a list of every Super Bowl broadcast. There are five people that have done play-by-play for at least seven
2: Super Bowl broadcasts. You're going to give me all five broadcasts. Oh, that is a great question. That's next on ESPN Radio.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
2: Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, the hashtag crew together and working it. And we think we've got it. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Group trivia today, Hembo. Yes,
3: I'm looking at a list of every Super Bowl broadcast ever. There are five people that have done uh, the play-by-play. For at least seven Super Bowls, and
4: you're
2: going to give me all five names. So to be clear, two things that I clarified in the break. One, radio doesn't count. Correct. Because Jack Buck and Vin Scully did the games on radio like my whole lifetime. Those don't count. The other is that Frank Gifford doesn't count because he, he was, I'm sure he would have been on seven broadcasts, but he wouldn't have been the play-by-play for all of them. So we, we removed him.
3: That's right. He did some sideline, and he did some
2: some color analyst work as well. Okay. So so we just so everyone guessing along at home, we identified, I, I, I wanted to rule those two out. So Bubba and Cam, we feel pretty good about four of our five guesses, right? Yes. I mean, I, I think we feel good about all five because yeah. I don't have a better one for the fifth one. So going in the order of which of confidence, mm-hmm. one of them unquestionably has to be Al Michaels. That's correct. Yeah. He is tied right. for first with 11. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess the person that he's tied with is Dick Enberg. Uh, Dick Enberg is correct. But he is third on this list. He called the Super Bowl eight times. Okay. I'm thinking Summerall. Yeah, so Pat Summerall. Summerall's tied. That is correct. Yeah. He is tied for first with 11 Super Bowls. All right. And then the one we haven't named that has to be right, I think, is Joe Buck. That's incorrect. What? Joe Buck has called
3: six Super Bowls. Oh, he's all I've read about is how ago. him
2: and Troy Aikman have done all of these, have been working together longer than any other broadcast team in history. How could they have only done six Super Bowls?
3: Alternating every third year, he did six across eighteen years. He'll get the Super Bowl with ESPN, but he's only has six under his belt.
2: Well, so damn it! That, that Call means- Joe. Is Kurt Gowdy one of them? Kurt Gowdy's one of them. Okay, and and then the other one that we left off the list is Nance. Is Jim Nance? Oh, uh. damn it! That's Cam's fault. Cam is the one who said that he's... No, it was Bubba. Uh, Bubba said, oh, in the buildup, I heard Nance only did five. Because Nance used to do the studio show, and Greg Gumble would do the play-by-play, and then they swapped, but obviously long enough Well, ago, at no
0: point were we considering taking Buck yeah,
2: off.
3: I so. think Nance's seventh was Sunday, right? That's right. That's what I said. Yeah. I was never going to take Buck off, though, so we weren't going to get it we right were anyway. We are never
2: going to take Buck yeah. off. to Call Joe. Get Joe on the phone. I'm mad at him now. That's ridiculous. You're mad at Damn him. Is it it's 05, 08, 11, 14, it, 17,
3: and 20? It Those would have been six. his seventh, but he joined ESPN last. So year. So he would have done last year. Yes, yeah. with Kevin. It was Kevin Burkhardt right. and, 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 and Greg Olson. Uh-huh. Oh, come on. Oh, that
2: is brutal. I thought you had that one for sure. So did I. This is a ridiculous. I was sure Joe Virginia. was right. I was sure Joe was right. Oh my god. <laughs> what was his first one?
3: Uh, 2005. That was Eagles Pats. Eagles Pats.
2: Wow. And that was him and Troy already, right? So they've been together that long. It right?
3: was,
2: yes. It was. They used it, to be him and Troy and Moose Johnston.
3: It was in that game. And Tr- Troy and Collinsworth on yeah. the call. Good call so who it, it?
2: Who was. was Fox right before? Was it still Summerall right before? Summerall and, and Madden was, was when was, they, it, was, was it right before first went there. Yeah, but I'm saying the, one, the Super Bowl right before Joe Buck. Who did Fox have?
3: The, the, the Foxes won Fox's before Joe Buck, you're asking? Yes. Uh, that, was, that was Summerall. Okay. So the handoff was from Summerall and Madden to
2: Buck Aikman, and Collinsworth on wow. Fox. Wow. All right. What a dud. That's, a, that's a tough one. A tough one. Give us the scores, uh, Cam. I am twelve and eighteen. Bubba's eleven and
3: eighteen. You are ten and twenty. Brandon's three and eighteen. Jack's three and nine. Dominique is zero and
2: one. All right. Our All Star Weekend starts Friday night. NBA Rising Stars game presented by Indeed. Coverage nine Eastern on most of these ESPN. <sighs> radio stations. Okay, uh, we were talking about the popularity and the enormous explosion of the Super Bowl. And there are, I think when I started going to the games is right when that began. So to be clear, I covered three Super Bowls for the radio station I worked at in Chicago, January of 93, 4, and 5. So that was Cowboys, Bills, back-to-back years. And then the third one, which was in Miami, was San Diego, San Francisco. When I covered those games, I worked for a radio station. I was not a talk show host. We did not send a show. There was no Radio Row. Radio Row did not exist. There would maybe be five or six radio stations that would be broadcasting live from the Super Bowl. And it was basically exclusively the ones from the cities where those teams came from. So if the Bears had been in the Super Bowl, we would have sent our shows. So those years they sent local shows. There were almost no radio talk shows there. I'm making up the number six, but it was nothing like what it was. There wasn't something called Radio Row, which now is enormous. The other factor I I remember is that Media Day was hugely valuable to a reporter you would get a ton of good questions. I could walk up to all the players and ask good questions. They were expecting good, real, serious football questions, and that's pretty much all they got. Then there was a hiatus. After January of 95, I did not cover another Super Bowl again until January of 2000, and that was when Mike and I did our first one, which was um, in Atlanta, the Rams-Titans. And at that one, the two observations that I made were... That Radio Row suddenly was a thing where previously there had been something like 10 or so radio stations. There were now 70 and Media Day had become a freaking circus. Like I stopped going because it was so little fun. Because MTV would send people and David Letterman would send people and all these other people. And that's all great. It's been great for the NFL. They get all so- kinds of coverage. And the players were all way into that because they all want to do like shtick and get on these shows with like David Letterman's mom before they want to answer some question from me about, you know. So, it's one thing, um, you know, if the quarterbacks of that game were Kurt Warner, for anyone who's never been to a media day, like Kurt Warner will have his own little booth set up. And so will Marshall Falk and, you know, the biggest stars of, of the game, Dick Vermeil, the coaches. But most of the players would just literally be standing there and you could walk up to them. They'd, have, they'd be standing with a little sign with their name on it and you could walk up and ask real questions and you could have serious football conversations. But all of a sudden you couldn't do that anymore because I, I will never forget downtown Julie Brown, who was one of MTV's like biggest stars. She's there asking these guys all kinds of other questions. And, I mean, God bless her for doing it, but once they're doing that, I can't really be like, you know, can we analyze, you know, the Tampa 2 that Mm -hmm. they play? Like, that's just ceased being the Mm -hmm. vibe. So the reason I'm telling you this is that somewhere in there, between the early 90s and the end of the 90s, is when I think the show part of this all really picked up. That, That all of a sudden, it became such an event that every radio station in the country was sending people to it. And all of a sudden, shows that have nothing to do with sports were doing shtick from there.
3: I'm curious if the NFL might someday reach a place where S- Super Bowl Sunday proceeds, immediately precedes President's Day weekend. By adding one more week, potentially, maybe that's another buy. May- who knows you know, whether they potentially add an 18th game. But I do wonder, because they continue to elongate their schedule. Because they continue to own real estate across the sports landscape to an unprecedented degree if we reach that point
2: sometime soon. I mean, I keep hearing people ask ask me that question. Do they need to change when they play the Super Bowl? Here's what I would say. Why? What exactly is not working? (laughs) <laughs> the, the, you know what i mean like th- there is the old expression if it ain't broke don't fix it has anything been less broke than the super bowl no it doesn't need fixing you can't be less broke look this game went to overtime went to the end went about as far in overtime as it's i think they, they said it's the fifth or sixth longest nfl game ever played it still ended before 11 o'clock at night on, on a sunday night in the east coast it still ended before practically any world series game will end other
3: leagues should take notes by the way
2: well that's my point so, the, it's not like it needs to be shortened for that reason. All right, this is a good discussion. It continues in 15 seconds.
1: Thanks for listening to Greenie the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also, catch Greenie on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcast.